Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Scott Stedman Podcast. Um, I am joined here with my co-host, Micah Current. How are you doing today, Micah? I'm good, but I think it's morning and you said afternoon. True, but when people are listening to this, it's usually like 11 o'clock Oh yeah, you drop, them, you drop them on Fridays in the afternoons. That's why I say afternoon. I was yes, like, people. <laughs> at the time when we record this... Yes, it is morning, but when the episode drops, it is afternoon. Yes, we record these on Monday morning, and the, and they get posted on Friday afternoon. So need a I'll let coffee. you guys, I'll let the listeners figure out what the time of day it is, because who knows, you could be listening to this in the evening by the time you listen to this. So you're just like, eh, it's evening now. But I'm so glad you guys are able to join us. Today, we have a very interesting uh, topic to discuss um, at the time of this recording just last Friday, the Supreme Court had made a decision to overturn Roe v. Wade and send basically all the decision making back to the states instead of the federal government. And that has caused a lot of people to voice their own opinions, whether in favor or against the decision. Um, and then usually and maybe for those of you are listening, you probably went to church the Sunday after that. So that would have been um, on the 26th. And you probably may have heard a pastor or a staff member from service during service make the comment about the Supreme Court decision. So really the topic we're going to discuss is not the topic of abortion or what the Supreme Court said, but really the topic we're going to discuss about is should things like politics or like maybe big world events, should those things be communicated from the pulpit? So, um, so Micah, let's just go ahead and start with you. What are your initial thoughts as far as should big events or even big politically charged things that happen um, are those things that should or should not be communicated from the pulpit? Well, first, let me say um, the reason this, you know, we, the reason we're doing this episode is not because of the decision that was, you know, laid down on Friday. It was because mm -hmm. yesterday um, Scott, I, you know, Scott knows that I serve at a church right now. I'm doing some, you know, independent contract work uh, for a church and I'm doing production for them, live streaming, website design, all those things. And um, we were talking about, you know, prep for sermons and, you know, when pastors usually get their texts, their, their sermon notes so they can make slides and, and graphics and things like that. And so that church where I'm at currently, uh, the pastor usually gives me his sermon by Thursday at noon. And so yesterday we, we got to church, the slides were built, everything was good. We went to, uh, we did rehearsal and, um, started service and all of a sudden pastor gets up and he tells myself and my wife who was, who was running the slide yesterday that he's going to throw us a curveball. And we're like, Oh, what's going on? Like, did he forget to give us a scripture? Or did he forget to, mm -hmm. um, forget to give us a point. Did he forget to, uh, did he give us the wrong sermon? Cause I've been in places where that's happened before where the pastor, you know, has his, you know, notes, you know, I was at a place where the pastor printed out the wrong sermon before, right before service and his binder or his iPad or whatever, uh, there was the wrong, wrong slides. So anyway, um, we get up, uh, we're in service, we pray, 
pastor gets up and he's like, I'm going to throw you a curveball. And so he's like, I'm not preaching the sermon I sent you today. And we're like, okay. Having no idea because he hadn't said this to anybody. Um, I don't believe, I don't think he said this to the worship leader or, or anything. And he got up and he just started preaching about abortion. And he talked about um, uh, what the church should believe and what scripture says. And um, let me be clear that we're not here to debate this topic today. We're just here yeah. to, we're here to discuss like, how would you handle different topics in the pulpit or should you? Um, mm -hmm. And to answer your question, Scott, I don't, I think there's a time and a place for everything. And I don't think that politics and the pulpit should go together. Mm. I, I, I just don't uh, like you can do a series on theology. You can do a series on doctrine and what we believe and why um, dependent upon the church that you're serving. And as Scott, you're, you know, you and I are both ordained in church. of got Anderson. You're getting ready to um, venture uh, to the United Methodist church. Uh, to do an assignment. And I'm having a conversation currently with a Nazarene church. Um, mm -hmm. Faith is very similar in, in all those mm -hmm. denominations. However, you know, back to the conversation at hand, I think that um, it's a very, 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 very delicate thing to talk about those topics, especially from the pulpit. And um, mm -hmm. it's, it's one of those things where it's like, man, you better be careful <laughs> what you say. Yeah. Because, um, you know, people could hold that against you. People could want your job. People could, uh, it, you, you just don't know how people are going to react. And um, we live in such a hostile um, age of technology um, where people uh, are offended by everything. Uh, or my wife likes to say this a lot, but we hide behind our phones because we can sit there and, you know, uh, tweet things and post stuff on TikTok and react behind a phone. But would you say that to somebody's face? Mm -hmm. um, and as soon as the Supreme Court decision came out on Friday, like we, you know, Scott, you said this before we started recording, but like it was hard to be on social media because people were really were people were upset. And I mean, they they had a right to be like, regardless of the side that you, you lie on, I think that people were going to be upset regardless of the decision. Um, because I mean, it was pretty split down the middle. Like if you looked at some of the video footage from like different news networks, like if right outside the Supreme court in Washington, DC, which Scott, you live pretty close to there right now, yeah. but like, you know, like, like the zoom call that we're on right now, my picture is in one window, your pictures in the other. But like, if you were to, to paint a picture of Washington, DC that day, there were a group of people that were pro-life. There were a group of people that were pro-choice and back to the conversation about preaching those topics from the pulpit, like you could be, I don't know, 85% or 90% pro-life or pro-choice as a congregation, but you still have that 10% or 15% that are the opposite, right? Mm -hmm. um, you just got to be careful. You just have to be careful of, of, of what you're saying. And, and yes, you can be passionate and, and share what you believe, Um but like it, it's more than abortion and, mm -hmm. and Roe v. Wade today. It's 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 different topics. Like, um, yeah. What are your thoughts, Scott? Yeah. So I, I could I, go on and on. I just yeah, like. So <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I just like yesterday. You know, for the listeners that you know tune in each other, we appreciate you so much. But like, mm -hmm. like, I texted Scott in the middle of this service yesterday when this has happened, and I, and it wasn't it wasn't Roe v. Wade. 
for me. It was the fact that he was preaching about that and just got up, changed course and just went completely right. And I just felt, I guess, compelled by the Holy spirit to have this conversation. Mm -hmm. Is it okay? Is that the, is that the appropriate time and place to do those things? So go ahead. Go ahead. So I think I, so I'll, I'll talk about, you know, my church experience yesterday. Um, There's a series and this whole series has been about people's interactions with Jesus in the book of John. So we focused on the woman that was caught in adultery and the pastor. And again, the pastor at this church has been one who has really been a mentor to me uh, when I was pastoring a church. And then even after I resigned, has been a great source of wisdom and healing for my healing process from that. So I'm not going to sit here and say anything bad about what he said, but he went up to preach his sermon and he preached his sermon. And then we got to the point where we were going to take communion. We took communion. And that's the thing, like after he's done preaching, the worship band will come up, they'll play. Um, everyone take communion and then he'll come up and he'll say something before we begin worship. And um, he mentioned, he mentioned it. He said, Hey, I know there's a decision that was made on Friday and kind of the one thing he said, he says, you know, he said that, you know, he was in agreement of this. And he said, but as your pastor, I will say that this is a step towards righteousness and that God would look, favorably on a country that seeks his righteousness. And that was pretty much all he said, like five minutes was what he initially addressed. And then the worship team played um, Sea of Victory by um, Elevation. Elevation. So <laughs> Elevation, which I'm like, oh, come on. So, <laughs> so I'm like, oh, great choice. Anyway, but um, had nothing to I'm do with the sermon. But really, it had nothing to do with the sermon. As a closer, it had everything to do with what the pastor said in that last five minutes. I'm like, yeah. okay, okay. But um, yeah, so I think this is where I think a lot of times when it comes to preaching politics from the pulpit, if that's allowed or not, it's it's kind of a very muddy, blurry line. So for an example, you know, I mean, I've took, Micah, you've probably took homiletics courses or courses on preaching and your schooling. I have. And I had the um, the honor of sitting under Marvin A. McMichael for my homiletics at Ashland before he became the dean of a different university. But he wrote a bunch of books on preaching. I know at least at one point Anderson was using a lot of his books on preaching. Um, and one of the things he said when it came to preaching, he said about world events, he said, you know, I don't care if you had the best sermon you had for that Sunday. When Ty-, And he basically mentioned to one of the most recent events, which wasn't a political event. It was when Tiger Woods wrecked his car. Then you found out that he was having an affair. He goes, I don't care what sermon you were preaching or how good it was. At some point during that service, you were going to address the Tiger Woods situation. Um, mm-hmm. I know Carl Barth, who is a great theologian, he he wrote, he said, take your Bible and take your newspaper and read both, but interpret newspapers from your Bible. And then you can even look at the civil rights movement, because literally the civil rights movement of the 60s was pretty much birthed in the church, in the African-American tradition, in the African-American church. And 
I think when we look at our culture today, some of us could probably say, well, when people say, well, we can't preach politics in church, some can go, well, if we did, if we did that years ago, then there would be no civil rights movement. If we did that, then we wouldn't be able to discuss or see how scripture can shine a light to some of these certain topics. Um, and for me, there was a time where I believed that, yeah, you know, I don't think politics has any place in a, in a pulpit. I even said that I got a bunch of criticism from some of my colleagues when I worked in the camp ministry. I said, I don't think Christians should even participate in politics. And, and, and kind of my reasoning when I made that comment years ago was because I feel like when you take your faith and you insert it into a political arena, there's always a battle for your soul. Yeah. There's always a battle of what's going to be the focal point in your life. Is it going to be politics or is it going to be uh, faith, your faith in Jesus Christ? And I feel like a lot of times it's like putting water and oil together when you put your faith in politics. Because so many times I've seen politicians talk about their faith as it's a, the most important thing. And yet sometimes they could make decisions or do things that have nothing to do with the gospel that have nothing to do with Jesus Christ. And there's some people who kind of sit there and they go, well, wait a minute. If you're a Christian, then why did you make this decision? If you were a Christian, why did you vote to allow, you know, the marriage of LBGTQ if you are opposed to it by your faith and yet you vote for it? So there's something like that where it's like, there's always a conflict, I think, a battle of the mind and a battle of the spirit, too. Um, well, that, Scott, and I think culture has it has has taught us over the last, you know, 10, 15 years that, like, mm -hmm. when something like this happens, when tragedy happens, when a decision's made in politics, when the Supreme Court comes with some sort of verdict, like, the culture tells us that, let's look to the pastors and let's see what they think, right? Like, and... And I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that, like, do you feel mm -hmm. that way? Like, it's something like, you know, when something happens, the the automatic response is, well, what do you think, Pastor? What do you think? What what would you do? And that's why I think that, that pastors are, are are feeling compelled to share or politics or entering the church and entering the the pulpit, for example. Um, and and I'm not saying that that's right. I'm just saying mm -hmm. that I think that's why I think society has pushed us in that way. Do you feel that well, way at all? Yeah, I think so. Well, I. Yes and no. And I think it's the opposite. For me, I felt like it was the opposite. Like I never felt like I got the pressure. The only time I got pressure was to preach a tithing sermon. And I'm like, eh. But yeah, but tithing um, tithing's different than than gay rights or abortion. Exactly. Right. Um, and, and here's the thing. I felt like back in like the 90s and maybe the early 2000s, I remember it was very popular for pastors to do like a hot, like a hot seat or a hot topic um sermons where each day they would discuss political topics um like the death penalty or um the abortion topic or lbgtq rights or you know whatever it may be and i felt like when you have those conversations and it was more of we're going to talk about this but let's look at the scriptures and see what the scriptures say about these topics um and i know i know there's a one point where i even taught uh, something at camp, something similar to that. I talked, but I kind of took it more of a what's ethical and even 
tried to stay as neutral as possible and said, okay, here's, and really I would have like articles from people who were Christians and yet they took two different stances. So very easy. I, if the topic was about um, LBGTQ rights, I would have a Christian say no, and I would have a Christian say yes, and they all had their scriptures to kind of use it to kind of justify their point of view. And I would always throw it back to the campers and say, you know, at the end of the day, it's whatever you think is right. But at the same time, you also have to kind of look at the other side, because if you're going to talk to someone, if you're going to evangelize to someone, if you want to have good conversations, you have to kind of understand the other person's point of view. Um, when I was pastoring, though, especially with my most uh, my last church, I felt uncomfortable trying to talk about certain things because I kind of had the inkling that if I looked at the scriptures and I believed that the scriptures from the teachings of Jesus, from the teaching of the prophets, from Paul's teachings, and I can look at them and say, OK, here is kind of what I believe the scripture is saying, and I presented it that way, immediately there would probably be an emergency board meeting. Yeah. Immediately my integrity would be questioned. And immediately, and in some, in some cases, immediately there'd be a discussion on if I should serve as pastor or not. Yeah. And I guess so that's, a lot of so that's... a lot of time, yeah. No, I guess that's part of the reason, Scott, like I wanted to have this conversation because you and I have uh, not not every circumstance, but like, I think that there's a legitimate fear of like, what is going to be the rebuttal of, of, of preaching on topics like this for, for, for various reasons, right? Like, and in, in you're to your point, you know, keep going, but like yeah. the, the idea of, you know, you know, Jesus loved everybody, loved everybody loved everybody and you could preach that and you could, that could be your sermon topic and you wouldn't you can uh you wouldn't even have to reference homosexuality however if you were preaching on love and jesus loves everybody you know it's not totally uncommon especially like growing up in a pastor's home we did that episode a couple of weeks back but like mm -hmm. people would get angry and they would want the pastor's job and like you said mm -hmm. scott to, to not service your pastor yeah and and I would, and I would even kind of say too that there's, you know, the one time I did say something politically, like I got, I got reamed, I got, I guess you could say I got flogged, <laughs> and and really it had to do with what happened on January sixth, um, January sixth during the Capitol riots, because I was again preaching from the Book of Romans, and Paul talks about you know, the Jews being so obedient to the law that they're kind of creating a stumbling block for Gentiles and making a mockery of the name of Christ. Mm -hmm. And I talked about the capital rights, but the only thing I condemned was the use of the Jesus saves flag in the midst of the violence. And that was the thing I condemned. And then I got reamed that I was you know, being political, I sat in an elder meeting, which literally all the elders sat around and basically was saying, well, my parent, my dad told me that we should pastor shouldn't speak politics when pulpit and everyone voiced their opinion. And then they asked me what I thought I said. And I said, basically, as a pastor, I have the responsibility to speak truth. Mm -hmm. And I ticked a lot of people off. 
well, whose truth? I go, God's truth. And, um, and I said, basic, and I even said like, and I even mentioned, okay, in my sermon, did I mention Democrats or Republicans? Everyone said, no. Did I mention Joe Biden or Donald Trump? No. Did I mention any politically charged group? No. What did I say? And one elder said, you mentioned about the Jesus saves flag and in the midst of a violent, in, a, in the violence. And basically, what does that communicate to the world about who Jesus is? And I said, is that a political statement? No, then I did not make a political statement. And I even had a buddy who retired from the Navy when I went to my 20-year class reunion who listened to the sermon and he got back to me and goes, you know, you didn't even condemn the Capitol riots. You just condemned the Jesus saved flag and the use of it. You didn't condemn the Capitol riots or anything going on. So you didn't make a political statement. And I've had many pastors who have heard, because again, you can find that sermon. It's somewhere on YouTube, but you can find that sermon and literally you could see that I did not make a political statement. And yet everybody got so bent out of shape because they were saying that I made a political statement. And I think it goes back to, as a pastor, if it is your responsibility to speak the truth of God's word and the truth of what the scriptures say and how the spirit is leading due to you being in the word, then I think it is our duty as pastors to speak for truth. Now, I think sometimes where the line gets drawn is I think sometimes like going back to Barb, take your Bible and your newspaper and read both, but interpret newspapers from your Bible. There's a difference between if I'm going to go up there and I'm going to speak 30 minutes on, on abortion and maybe use like one or two scriptures to kind of, you know, to kind of, you know, 10%, I'm using scripture 10%, but I'm using political sources and news sources, 90%, I feel like that is kind of wrong. I feel like at this point, I'm kind of bending the bending the word of God to fit my agenda or the direction that I want to take instead of allowing the word to speak and just say, here's how this relates to this event that's happening in our world. Yeah. Um, slightly different topic, but, you know, to kind of go along with this, uh, topic of what you would preach or not preach in the, in the pulpit or, or, you know, in a ministry situation. Um, yesterday, my dad was here over the weekend and, um, we had lunch with him after church yesterday and he, uh, he didn't come to the, the service that I was at. He went somewhere else. And, um, I think he did. Um, he didn't come to the church that we were at. So we, we were telling him, <laughs> we were telling him about what had happened. Um, and I asked him, you know, what his thoughts were, were on this. And he said that he would, you know, he's very adamant about preaching what he believes and what the church doctrine says and why um, church of God specifically in mm-hmm. this context. But he was sharing a story with us about a, a man that attended their church um, who was homosexual. And, um, my dad had no idea that he was homosexual, but somebody else in the church had had knew that, or like there were there were some people in the church that had knew that, mm-hmm. and um, so Gary faithfully came to church. Gary faithfully gave to the church. Gary was very adamant about being part of the church and serving, and then would show up for pretty much everything. And my dad, again, my dad had no idea, right? And my dad shared with me that uh, Gary had 
somebody somebody in the church found out about Gary being a homosexual and uh when he came into the church one morning one of the um, older people in the church said something to him along the lines of well you can't come to church here because of who you are Mm. and my dad didn't know and then like two or three weeks went by and gary stopped coming to church Mm. and it just broke my heart when my dad shared that because here's somebody who gave faithfully served faithfully and came to church regularly and didn't let their life or lifestyle or whatever they claimed to be or didn't claim to be affect how others treated him and people mm-hmm. loved him and wanted to be friends with him because of who he was, but not because of what he claimed to be or not claimed to be, in reference to his sexuality. Um, and so my dad tried to call him and tried to say, you're welcome here. We don't, this is this is a place of love and grace, and if you want to come to church here, you're more than welcome here. Don't let somebody define you coming to church or not mm-hmm. coming to church. And my dad said, you know, a soul is a soul. At the end of the day, a soul is a soul. Yeah. And um, he's not up there condemning homosexuality or LGBTQ rights or anything. He's just saying that at the end of the day, Jesus loves you. Right. And um, one of my one of my very best friends in college um, was gay and I would take a bullet for him because of how sweet and generous of a person that he was. Um, I, I just think that we need to do a better job of loving people regardless of, of, of political affiliation or beliefs or background or gender or creed, which is what our doctrine says is what the church of god doctrine says and Mm -hmm. we wash we reach our hands out to every blood washed one yes that means if you're saved and i'm saved we're like we'll be members of the church of god and blah 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 blah. but it also says that we need to love everybody and regardless of race religion creed background ethnicity like it it just it, it boggles my mind that we get so caught up in the mundane of of politics and political views and topics that we forget that you know even though you're different or you feel different or you think differently jesus loves you too and um Mm. i don't know it's just it's it's very um it's it's i don't know heartbreaking to 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 think that you know i'm stuttering right now because i'm kind of upset about that that yeah um at the end of the day that person needs to know that jesus loves them and even though you don't mm-hmm. agree with them or agree with their lifestyle that door is open for a reason and it's not yeah. just because you put up money in the offering plate it's not just because you've been going to church there for 30 years it's welcome and open to everybody right yeah and like you know it's it's like back to the abortion thing for a second you know what if somebody had an abortion and would have came to that church yesterday and it was for different reasons, right? Like, what if it was their life on the line and they were a month, you know, two months pregnant and, um, you know, they weren't able to carry the baby to term because it was causing health complications. There's a difference 
And what if that person would have then come to church yesterday and heard that sermon and heard, and all they would have heard Scott, that everything was wrong. Everything about abortion was wrong. Like I'm, and for your listeners, I'm very pro-life. I'm a pro-life person. I'm a conservative pro-life person. Right. But there Mm -hmm. are circumstances in this life where you can't control the outcome of tragedies that happen. Yeah. Whether it's, whether it's, you know, you know, I've heard of cases where, 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 uh, where a woman has carried a baby for two months and it is, it's, it's term like, it's going to kill her. And it's either you lose two people or the baby's going to die and you're going to die if you carry the baby to term or like, there's, there's just so many different variables to this, yeah. this conversation. And, you know, I, I just think of like, what if there was a woman that came in yesterday who had an abortion and feels incredibly guilty for for having an abortion but there was no other choice in her life maybe there wasn't another choice in her view in her world you still have to love her right Mm -hmm. you still have to show her grace and and wrap your arms around her just like jesus would um but i feel again we just get so caught up and and just like our our political ideology or who we are as as humans we let the flesh take over as paul says in scripture often we let the flesh take over versus like our hearts and what we think that God would want or Jesus would want. Yeah. And, and, and kind of my point is I think a lot of times when it comes to regular individuals or parishioners, like one of the comments I've made on kind of why we have so much pressure (laughs) as pastors, I think part of the reason why we had the great resignation Mm -hmm. was not only because it was the pandemic, but it was also because you know, if pastors were or did not could or could not speak about what was happening in the political realm or what was happening in the science realm with the pandemic or anything else, because anything they say or do was going to be held against them. Isn't your, your wife's got a a law background, right? Yeah. She has a, she has a legal background. Yep. Right. So everything that you say will and can be held against you in a court of law, that's almost what it feels like. Well, it does. That's how it feels like. So I think it's, so I think that's why a lot of people just left and resigned resign because it was like to the point where it's like, well, if I'm going to speak in truth, what I believe God's word says, I'm going to get blowback because, and here's what I believe. And this is, well, I wouldn't say I believe here's what I think. I think a lot of times, you know, a lot of people, when they go to church, church is the only time they're getting any injection of the gospel. Mm-hmm both in community and both what's being proclaimed from the pulpit, which again, when we think about it, it's probably going to be about an hour. So I get my hour like shot of gospel, but then I could go home Sunday evening, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and I can read a newspaper or, and watch the news for three, four hours a day. And then maybe touch my Bible occasionally, maybe 15 minutes a day. And then the thing is, is, well, then what's going to influence my mind? What's going to influence my heart? Is it God's word or is it the worldly media sources? And how does that skew my view as to what the Bible says? And and, and here's a good example. So for an example, I love using the goods, the the parable of the Good Samaritan as a great example. Um, I think a lot of times when we read through the parable of the Good Samaritan, we always like to interpret it from the end, where when Jesus asks, after Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan, he asks the person who asked him the question saying, okay, 
which one of these was a neighbor to to the man on the side of the road and the guy says well the one who showed mercy and jesus says go and do likewise and i feel like a lot of times when we how people interpret that it's like well if i'm just a good person and i can help people out then i'm doing good so that means that you know if if micah if you were on the side of the road and i was driving by i would get out and help you because i know who you are you're my buddy you're my pal and i'm going to help you okay so I think a lot of times church people are very good at helping people who are part of their club. But for the moment, if I'm driving by and I happen to see, I don't know, so, something that I may have a bias against or I might have some type of biased view against somebody. So I don't know, like um, if I'm driving by the side of the road and I happen to see, I don't know, an ex-girlfriend or something who really caused me a lot of damage in my life. And I see they're struggling. Would I help them? Mm. I mean, or maybe it's that board member that really ripped into me from my last church. If they were stranded and beaten up on the side of the road, do I help them or do I walk on by? And I think when you put it in that context, it, it makes it a little bit different. Mm -hmm. and, and plus, you have to remember, what was the very beginning? What started this whole conversation? It was when Jesus was sitting there teaching, and then a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus basically tells them, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you want to inherit eternal life, two things, love God with every ounce of your being and love your neighbor. Well, who is my neighbor? Your neighbor is the person that may have caused you harm. The person may be the individual that you don't necessarily like very much. I mean, and so when you put it in that perspective, and it goes back to an earlier point, you know, if you if a pastor was supposed to be teaching, well, just love everybody. Well, yeah, that would be the most safest option. But sometimes the love that Jesus is calling us to love people can be very dangerous. That may mean like if you are not a big fan of like, I'll say this, if you were not a big fan of Donald Trump as president and he was on the side of the road and you are a Christian, you're supposed to help that guy up mm -hmm. and help him take him to the hospital, pay your two denarii or your $2 and, and say, you'll cover all his medical costs so he could get better. People be like, heck no. And the same token, if you are not a big fan of Joe Biden, <laughs> well, he's on the side of the road, you're supposed to do the same thing. Yes. And so I think that's what makes it dangerous. That's what makes the love that Jesus calls us to do, the agape, uh, unconditional love, dangerous, because we're supposed to love without any restrictions, without any, without any barriers. And I think, you know, in a counseling sense that could change, you know, don't go and continue to show love to your abuser. Like that's one thing, mm -hmm. but I think there's something when we think about politics and if it should be proclaimed from the pulpit, even if your pastor says something from the pulpit that he believes that the scripture is saying, and you disagree, that may be something where you may want to go and talk to him about it and kind of have those conversations. If your pastor's the type of person who's willing to have those conversations, because some aren't. And 
But at the same time, we're not there to beat and badger people and make people feel like they're not a part of the community of the body of Christ, the universal body of Christ. Yeah. And, and I think that, that's a great point. Right. And I think with my last statement where I said, you know, I'm very pro-choice, not pro-choice, pro-life, sorry, pro-life in the, in the conversation about this, the Supreme Court decision, I'm very much pro-life and I'm very conservative in that respect and I'm very conservative overall. Right, Scott. But I think that the, the, the crazy, the crazy misconception and society to, to, to wow society today is that we will not have a conversation mm-hmm. with people right because we're we're so afraid and we're so divided that if we have a conversation with somebody that we differ with and have a different opinion with um that it's just going to end in turmoil no we're called to have conversations be civil with one another and and, and break down um, what we believe and why that's no different than the being a Christ follower and, and breaking down mm-hmm. scripture. And like they, they, t- it talks about in the book of acts, right? Like they, they did life together. They broke mm-hmm. uh, bread together. They had meals together. They, they studied the word of God together. And um, that's what we're called to do in connect groups, life groups, whatever you call them at your churches. But yeah. uh, you know, you know, you have to have a conversation with people. Like you can't just be passive about it. Like, um, and I think it's one thing to, to, to have this conversation from the, from the pulpit and then have it, having it in, you know, in, in a life group or, or connect group to like really show people and, and, and break down what you believe and why. Um, and, you know, are there people that disagree with me? Yes. Are there people that I agree with? Yes. Like, uh, you know, it's, it's such a fascinating time to be alive. Right. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, you know, we didn't live in the sixties and stuff when, you know, Martin Luther King and, and all that stuff happened, but like, I can imagine this isn't to that degree, Scott, but I think that we <laughs> we're very much living in a, in, in a time where everything is just so hotly debated and, um, I don't know. I just feel like we need to be a refuge for people like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it may look different and it may be uncomfortable and it may be messy and it may not be the same worship and teaching and the way that we've done church church for the last 30 years. But you know what? God's called us to more. And so like, if that gets us out of our comfort zone, if that gets us out of the normal church, if that breaks the church to have revival, then you know what? We need to shepherd that. And we need to facilitate that moment with people so that people come to Jesus and realize that Christ is for them and not against them. And it's just, I'm preaching a sermon. I feel like I'm preaching a sermon to you, Um, (laughs) but like, it's just, and I'm not, I'm not, I've never been a lead pastor. I've taught and I've preached before, but like, it's just, we just need to wake up and wake up in a, in a spiritual, like have a spiritual awakening to, Mm -hmm. to realize that not, not everybody is cultured in church life right? They don't have the background of theology or the background of, of knowing what following Christ is like and, and knowing that he loves them. And, you know, preaching about abortion or preaching about homosexuality or preaching about, you know, where scripture does condemn those things like homosexuality, Paul talks about it in, in his letters, but like, you still need to love people. I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm rambling, yeah. but it's it yeah, just, no, I just, no. I feel like we, 
we just have to be better and we have to be willing to have those conversations and hold people accountable, but at the same time, show them the love and grace of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And, and I, and I would, and I'm with you with that. Like, I think, you know, I feel like there has to always be the time to have those conversations. And, and I think it has to be face-to-face conversations too, because, you know, you can very easily get into a conversation with someone in social media, but well, it's like my wife time, said before, right? People hide behind their phones. People hide their behind their phones. And and again, like if you don't like what someone's saying, you can delete their comment. You can unfriend them. Mm-hmm. And and it's almost to that point where like you have the power to basically. And I think this is where, you know, as much as we like to talk about cancel culture, which I know I already talked on my podcast about cancel culture many episodes back. But I think that there is a point where our social media life can bleed into our life where now I feel like I can cancel people. So if I don't like what you're saying as a person, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to use my social media power, um, my podcast power, whatever power, whatever little power I have, I'm going to use it to try to influence others to cancel an idea, to cancel a product to cancel the company, to cancel a personality, uh, to cancel a church, to cancel the business. You know, there's so many things you can do. And it's almost so no wonder people feel like, well, I can't say anything because if I do, something bad's going to happen. And mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, um, everybody has to be accountable with what they say and how they present it. At the same time, you can't, change people's lives with a 280 character tweet you have to be able to change lives through interpersonal relationships and having conversations and not only just being able to be a talker but also be able to open up our ears and our hearts to understand someone who is different who may have a different take or a different point of view and i think that art of listening and critical thinking is a lost art in our society today because everything is so instant gratification yeah absolutely and you know we just i just think that's the biggest thing is that we you know i think there's a fine line right where people that have been in church culture their entire life um you know have went to this church for 15 20 30 years um and that's all they know Whereas, uh, I don't know, 28 year old, uh, Sally comes up off the street. She's homeless. She doesn't have a job. She is, uh, she's gay. Um, she does drugs. You know, you, you give the list, right. And back to the good Samaritan, Scott, how would you treat that person? Right. I think we get so worried about like, uh, what does culture say versus actually helping somebody? Mm-hmm. you know, in the time of need and getting them back on the straight and narrow. And I think it's, it's, it's crucial because, and, and again, back to the, the, you know, my dad being here this weekend, we had lunch with him yesterday before he left to go home. He, he said this, and it's like one of the most profound things I think he said to me um, in my 35 years of life, but he said, I think there's going to be a lot of people if they get to heaven surprised who's actually in heaven and who's not because of the way that a we treated people and b the way that um you know our reaction to, to people well isn't um, that it, what jesus said yeah 
The least of Jesus these. said that, you know, the least of these or, you know, I tell you, tell the Pharisees to tell you the truth. It's the least of these, the tax collectors and the prostitutes that are going to enter the kingdom of heaven before you. Like, mm-hmm. like that's that's a I mean, even if you look at the banquet feast, the whole parable, of the banquet feast where a guy opens up his doors and invites every like the most prestigious people to come to their feast and they couldn't because they all had an excuse. So then it's like going to the streets and grab the poor and grab you know, the undesirables mm-hmm. to come in and they're the ones who get into the feast. Yeah. Well, and Jesus, you know, that was something else my dad said yesterday, but like uh, he w- he said he was reading a commentary not too long back where the the only thing when, when Jesus is on trial to be crucified that they could really come up with was that he ate, he ate with the sinners. Like, and that even then that was nothing, right? Yeah, but but it was just a reminder that who Jesus was and why, mm-hmm. um, and what we're supposed to do. Yeah. Um, I don't know, I, Scott. I I just I really feel that you know there is a time and a place to have those conversations, but like I think we have to continue to preach the word of God in a loving and respectful way and not a condemning way, because mm-hmm. people aren't going to understand that and people are going to leave and never come back. Hmm. Right, whether it's homosexuality or abortion or murder or uh, drugs, alcohol, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how you like. I I just know that I wouldn't get up there and and, and do that. I just I just don't think it's. Um, I I don't know. I just think there. You know, ninety eight or ninety nine percent of the time, you're going to have that congregation who's been there forever and ever. Amen. But Mm -hmm. you might have that one visitor that comes in there and either a, they don't agree with it or B they've been through something in that life that it would be a trigger point for them and they won't want to come back or C you've got, you've got kids in there or students or younger minds that, you know, they're not, yes, they may, you know, profess Christianity and belief in Jesus, but they don't understand you know what I mean? Like they don't have the deep, they're not at a point in their life where they can have that deeper relationship and understanding of, you know, what scripture says. And, you know, they're not reading commentaries like you, Scott, when you're preparing for a message on Sunday morning, mm-hmm. they're not, they're not in seminar doing a PhD on ministry or pastoral counseling or anything like that. They're, they're just there to go to church. And, you know, um, it's, it's just, you know, I don't know. I felt kind of convicted after that yesterday where it was like, I'm not mad at the pastor for doing that. I just, I just know that I wouldn't, I wouldn't do something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't, yeah. And it's, yeah. And I think that's kind of, you know, to kind of wrap this topic up, you know, should... just trying to be very careful, right? We yeah. need to be very careful as pastors. It's no different than like you, you and I talked about a month ago about a topic about, I don't remember what the topic was. We've done a lot of different things, but like just, per, we, I think it was one of the Hillsong episodes that we did when we did the Hillsong exposed uh, episodes um, where, you know, as pastors and leaders, you just want to be careful and not put yourself in a vulnerable situation. And it's no different here. Like, cause when you, when you get to get up in front of God's people and deliver God's word and deliver what God's placed on your heart, it's a very sacred moment and you have to be very careful and, and, and be um, uh, clear on on your your words and how you choose them 
yeah. I had a I had a seminary professor at Anderson say, I don't think we're ever going to realize the gravity of of the opportunity when we preach. Mm-hmm. We're never we're never going to understand how sacred that moment is because um, we're delivering God's word, and if we believe in an all powerful God, Yahweh, you know, Old Testament, you know, wrath of God type stuff, like we need to take that moment very very seriously. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I, I think you you bring up a good point. It's the idea of oh goodness, it's the idea of trying to really be cautious, not necessarily cautious, but it goes back, you know, am I doing things in a loving way? And would I respond the way Christ would respond? You know, I think, you know, when you think about like the sermon I heard Sunday, you know, he was talking to the woman who was caught in adultery. Um, and ministering to him. And I think a lot of times, you know, I think in our culture today, if Jesus stood up for a woman who was accused of being an adulteress I'm in, in the church, mind you, and he said what he said about, you know, if you were, if you without sin cast the first stone or cast the first judgment, I mean, I'm sure that would probably make people angry. I think there are people who would not only drive the woman out of the church, they probably drive Jesus out of the church too. So I think at the end of the day, we have to really look at, you know, if what I'm saying is going to provide mercy and hope for all people, and sometimes it may not be. And if you feel like you can't, as a pastor, you can't hit that balance or that medium, then I think it's best not to say anything at all. And if you're getting pressure from, your congregation or your elder board or anything else to do that. I mean, you're just going to have to say, I, I think it's too. And even if you want to, you just say, I think it's just too hot. Of, I think it's just too hot to talk about right now. I think we need to let the dust settle and then it could be brought up at a later time. Well, but I, Scott, or, Scott, I think you said before too, like in different circumstances in your ministry, you've had moments in those, those, those heavy moments where, you've pulled an elder in your office and said, Hey, what do you think about this before you've done it? Yeah. Right. And, and honestly got their opinion. So like, for example, if yesterday you were preaching somewhere and you felt like the Lord was telling you to preach on, on what had happened on Friday versus the sermon that you've already written and you pull an elder in of mm-hmm. one of your, your trustees in or your elders or whatever you, you call them um, into your office, you know, an hour before service and say, you know, I really feel like the Lord's telling me to, preach on this today instead of this, what do you think? And get like, pull somebody that you're really, really close to and and, mm-hmm. and have that honest to God conversation. And if that person is holding you accountable and say, you know, maybe this isn't the time and the place for that, then maybe you shouldn't do that. And you can preach the sermon that you've already written and you've already prepared. You yeah, know what I mean? absolutely. Like, mm-hmm. And you've done that before. You've told me about that. And yeah. And, I, and, it's, and it has to do with wisdom. I think yeah. there's always a point where, if you're not sure if you should speak on something, I mean, that's why you have a, at least that's why you should have an elder board or a deacons or, you know, people in place just to say, Hey, can I talk to you? Can you come meet me in my office? Can I talk to you before service? I'm struggling on what I should talk about today. I feel like the spirit's leading me in a different direction. I just need someone to bounce an idea off of. And if you can have that trusted person to do that, then at the end of the day, you're still being good. And if they say, yeah, I think you should. And you go and you talk about it. Then that way, if someone gets angry at you as a pastor, it goes, how dare you talk about that? It's like, look, I know it's contra. I know it was a hard thing to talk about at the same time. 
I consulted my elder board. I consulted this person and this person. And both of them said that I should talk about it. Mm-hmm. So now it's not, so now it's not just, you have all the, you know, you're not getting dumped on by yourself, but you now have other people who you told that told you, you should do it. So now there's an accountability. Mm-hmm. And I think if you have that, then I think at the end of the day, you know, if someone gets mad and they go to the board, at least you already have a person saying, yeah, Hey, if anybody should be getting voted off the off the island, <laughs> off the island, basically of pastoral eldership and the pastor, it should be me. I should resign from the elder board because I'm the one who told pastor that was fine. He should he should go and talk about it. So I should basically say, hey, I'm getting off the board. You can find someone else on this position. Pastor should still keep his job or her job because I he, they came to me and asked for my advice. And I said, yeah, I think it was okay for you to talk about it. And if it blew up, it really shouldn't be just all pastor's responsibility to have that, those chunks on him. It should also be me as well, because I'm the one who gave him the go ahead and said, yeah, that's fine. Go ahead and do that. So, yep. So, yeah. So again, you know, just be wise when it comes to topics like that, especially, you know, and always make sure you have accountability as well. Um, but I think that's going to kind of do it for this episode. Hopefully you guys were listening. If you're a pastor, hopefully this is giving you some wisdom and helping you. Um, if you're a, a regular church member, maybe you're on a leadership team. Maybe this is something that you could use for good advice or maybe kind of understand, Hey, you know, maybe think about things a little bit more instead of just jumping on the bandwagon. Anytime someone says something that you don't like, you know, kind of going back to that good Samaritan story, you know, kind of see things from different perspectives and have the conversation instead of just getting angry and mad and spewing your, spewing your thoughts and opinions, even though they may not be godly, you know, just try to, you know, always act in grace and mercy the way Christ did. Uh, But guys, thank you so much for listening. And we'll be uh, back with another episode next week. Talk to you guys later. Bye.